I certainly want to thank our musicians and uh, Brother Yarbrough, I know your daddy well. You're a different character. <laughs> uh, a musician, Brother Beard, and for coming together uh, to give us and electrify us with music today. Thank you for this gathering. Uh, I want to thank the 45th Street Church for accept, accepting a black nappy-headed boy from Bessemer. Uh, who's simply your pastor's friend uh, to come and share in your 109th church anniversary. Uh, I'm going to take a personal privilege because I want to commend Pastor Andre Sparks, not just for his work that he does uh, in the secular realm as the presiding judge of the city of Birmingham, and because of that, uh, I've got two jobs on two Mondays and Wednesdays. I teach a coaching mentor class at uh, Community Center and at Winona High School. Uh, because if he's involved in it, he thinks it's important that teenagers at risk have someone that will share with them and sacrifice the time. I thought it important that I should be one of those persons that do that. Uh, it has grown tremendously. This year, we've got coaches in every school in the Birmingham school system. And it's sponsored through his initiative. Uh, he's so humble, he doesn't talk about it. He not only uh, found the program, created the program, uh, pulled it together, got the city council to uh, give millions of dollars and put and put together a network uh, that makes it work. And uh, that's an awesome thing. It went from being in five schools to every school, and it's not the city, wasn't the Birmingham City Schools, it was the Birmingham Municipal Court uh, that created the concept and sold the idea uh, under the authority of Judge Andre Sparks. But beyond that, I say it to him all of the time, uh, I appreciate the man that he is, the, the pastor, the pastor heart that he has, uh, but the family man that he is. Uh, I attended his wife's mother's funeral. He preached it. And you've never seen the kind of humility, the kind of camaraderie. I watched Karen as she sat through her mama's funeral but the one thing that was apparent is that she was supporting her husband. That he's the apple of her eye. That he's the jelly on her biscuit. <laughs> that he's the sugar in her coffee. <laughs> and, and, and he lets me love her and share her and, and, and you'll see it in the camaraderie of his children. Uh, family is important. Family is important in how it is that we're able to uh, perpetuate that and allow other folks to see it. This church ought to be blessed. It ought to be blessed with uh, men who know how to be men because they got a man standing in this pulpit who knows how to love his family, who knows how to uh, be connected to the community and know how to serve his God. And, and I wanted to say that not as a political speech or any other thing, uh, and not just because he's my friend, 
Amen. And he didn't call me early in the morning. He don't call me late at night most days. Uh, but if I call him, he called me back. He called me, I called him back. Uh, because I know that that's something that needs to be done. Uh, how many of you know your friends is not necessarily your buddy? Amen. True friendship is based on relationship, and I appreciate the relationship that we have. A couple other things, Judge, if I can have a couple of privileges. Uh, I need to fire a warning shot because there are several members of New Mount Moriah that's sprinkled throughout the church. You know, sometimes y'all have a habit of saying pastor preaching too long and he don't know what he's talking about. So I need both from New Mount Moriah to wave your hand so that Y'all look around. You sitting, you sitting by them and beside them. You need to, you need to know that. So you say something, you might be in an endangered species. <laughs> I see many of them, and uh, they just continue to bless me, and I love them so much. I see uh, Chairman our Deacon Board and Deacons, and this this group of guys right here are part of the ministerial staff. Y'all wave your hand, Reverend Mac. Amen. Reverend Gaston, uh, Reverend Angle, Freddie Files. <laughs> Amen. Any other preachers? Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the opportunity, Pastor. Uh, thank God for what he has done in our lives. And like I said, go back to those days when we were making hay without straw and serving this leadership of the Mount Pyramid. Uh, again, to our choir, thank you for the sacrifice. And I know what many of you had to do to get here. We had church at 8 o'clock. And actually, we were through at 9 o'clock, uh, late after 9. So I gave them an hour and a half. Now, next Sunday, I might want it back. Amen. So everybody was excited about getting out of church at nine o'clock this morning. This morning, next Sunday we might just—I might just take that back in preaching time. Is that all right? What you got to say about that, Deacon Henley? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we just thank you afresh for the many opportunities that you afford us. We thank you for the kind expressions of your love that you showered down upon us. We thank you for this place and this purpose. We thank you that it makes a difference on this corner and that you see it from the parking lot to the back of the church. You see it in the people that reach out to you from the moment you walk on this campus. We thank you for Christian believers and the work that you've assigned to our hands. We ask your blessings upon this place and this pastor and point all of those who would lift up his arms and help him to carry out the visions and for 45th Street, 110 years from now, to reach its potentials. We need you now. We trust you, we love you, and we cast our cares upon you. Forgive me of my sins that you might use me again. I ask your blessings for my family and for our church, for the discretion and direction that you shall lead us, Guide us, hold us, and hide us, and keep us in your care, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This, I, I looked up and didn't say anything. Uh, my wife just could not 
uh, carried a load this morning, so she tried to get out of bed and it just wouldn't allow her. She's having some uh, medical challenges and those kind of things, but uh, she's, she's crystal clear in making sure that I do what I need to do. And one of them is fix her breakfast. Uh, but I do see that uh, one of our children, we share three children together, uh, two daughters and a son, and one of our children, if I may, uh, is present. Erica, if you'll stand, and she called me. Erica is presently the county treasurer. Uh, she's the treasurer for Jefferson County, and she's running for re-election. She called me and said, listen, I'm out campaigning, but I need a word. Where are you preaching at? So obviously she knew we were not at the church this morning, had gone, and she said, uh, I'm going to come by. She said, but I got to go home and change. I said, if you go home and change, you're going to miss church. <laughs> and so she came uh, forward, our eldest daughter, Erica Parker, uh, county treasurer running for re-election. Thank you for worshiping uh, today, Erica. Amen. You have your Bible or have access to a Bible or use it telephonically, we're going to ask you to turn to the book of Joshua, the 17th chapter, and for the conservation of time, I'll read the 14th and 15th verses. Joshua chapter 17, beginning at verse 14. Thank you for standing in reverence and recognition of the word of God. And it reads, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord has blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, Get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Pezzites and of the giants in Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. God's word for God's people. This text is extracted from Joshua's responsibility of giving out the land to the Israelites as they have inherited the land of Canaan the promised land, and uh, for many of them, they had not fulfilled what it was God had told them and had not ran out all of the people. Instead, they tried to coexist with them. And as a result of it, there's one uh, tribe of Israel who thought that they were not being necessarily given all that they wanted or all that they needed in order to be representative of who they were. And what he basically tell them that you have to reach your own potentials. You have to realize what your potentials are. So if I had to tag this text and fix a subject to it, I would raise the question, how do I reach my potentials? How do I reach my potentials? And he speaks to the leadership of the tribe and he said uh, to them, uh, then if where you are is too small, then you go up to the hill country and you deal with the giants and you deal with whatever's there and you allow God to use you to reach your potential. 
what he does for us as a church in 2023, uh, in 2010 or 28, what he's done for this church for 109 years, he's given you leadership that recognized and realized that you have potential. Uh, the combining of two churches, New Bethel and Galilee, uh, in 1914, that's the same year my fraternity was, was born. Uh, in 1914 uh, signifies that from that point forward there were leadership provided for the church that said you have potentials. You ultimately moved from Coosa Street to 76th Street and Division Avenue and, and here realized somebody said this is not uh, representative of God has given us more. He's promised us more. And every time I talk to pastor he's in some phase or another. Uh, I remember when we were talking about a roof, and this is not a, a small undertaking to put a roof on this facility, and that was phase one, and then we were talking about the sanctuary and the lower level, and every time I come here, he's in one phase of another. He's probably in about phase seven now, <laughs> and, and, and has not, uh, in his estimation, 45th Street has not reached your potential. Uh, you, you just broke the cross. You just headed toward where it is that God wants you to go. And so he continues to cast a vision. He continues to do that. And that's what happens in scripture when it is that we go to God with our issues and we go to God with our needs and we go to God asking him, what is it that I should be doing? Where is it that I should be? What is it that you've sown into me that I need to unleash on the world? Uh, and he would tell us, stop talking about it and be about it. It's from the Latin word potentiali, which means powerful. It means capable of being, but not yet. It has more, been more than 80 years since Carter G. Father Nicholas history spoke these words. He says, history shows us that it does not matter who is in power for those who have not learned to do for themselves and depend solely on others, never attaining any more rights or privileges in the end than they had in the beginning. Right. You got to do it. Right. Can't nobody do it for you. Right. Dr. Martin Luther King said these words, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Right. Uh, both of these statements were spoken by men pushed by purpose. Beyond themselves, they understood the power and excellence of potential. And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get to the wood country and cut down for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants. Ephraim, too narrow for thee, men ought to understand what God has called them to do. Martin Luther King, life was an engagement in the excellence or ethics of excellence. He understood his mission. He understood the purpose of his life to be uh, a moral mandate, a divine directive to develop a lasting legacy, not just for himself, but for those yet unborn. I want to suggest that men of worth and value, men of character and credibility, Take up the task of challenging other men to strive for excellence. 
any serious observation of the crippling condition uh, that negatively affect the black community, the curse of our time is that of pathological choice lead in drug addiction and mentality that lacks an appreciative level of morality, we must develop a stringent, unyielding dissatisfaction for that which is melancholy. Our text raised the question, how can I reach my potentials? The text, when examined closely, reveals the children of Joseph dutifully discontented with the status quo. They did not like where they were. They did not like what they had been promised to them, and they figured they deserved more than what they had. They deserved greater portions of God's given privileges. Notice Joshua's response was put to them with what is called in the English composition the if-then clause. Joshua said to these dissidents, if you are a great people blessed by the Lord, then get up to the wood country and do for yourselves in the land occupied those that will wield power uh, due to their numbers and size. God has placed in all of his children potential. That's why I'm encouraged when folks can think beyond the ordinary and go beyond the expected and not just be satisfied with what their job is, but be concerned about others. Be willing to develop programs and challenge other folks to support those programs and do what's needed in order to make a difference in the lives of even generations yet unborn. But most, most importantly, in the lives of disenfranchised teenagers, uh, discredited young black men. And so it is that we must be willing to invest if we're going to reach our potential, we must be willing to invest in the potentials of others. The definition of potential is exciting and mentally exuberating. The challenge is to recognize the great blessing that God has given all who is made in his image and likeness. When we see people come into the church, they are dirty and they use street language. We turn our nose up. We don't know what God has placed in that person, and it is still covered up by sin. It's wash them up, educate them, so that what God has placed in them can come to the surface. Everything in life has potential. I may have lips big as boxing gloves. I may not be your cup of tea, but I'm still tea. I made in the image. I made in the image of God. Wonderful and fearfully. I may not be there. May not be all that I should be. Thank God I'm not what I. I like it when you help me. But I still got potentials. Don't count me out. Don't discount me. Because I'm going to get there. If I keep looking to the hill from which cometh my help, God will keep pushing me, prodding me, forgiving me, 
and using me as he do every body of believers to reach our full potential. Potential implies possibility, capacity, capacity for growth or development. You see, in every tree, in every seed, there's a tree. In every bird, there's a flock of birds. In every fish, there's a school of fish. In every cow, there's a herd of cows. In every boy, there ought to be a man. In every girl, there ought to be a woman. In every nation, there ought to be a generation that is chosen to serve God. For untold visions of millions die unseen, plans die unexecuted, songs die unsung, futures die buried in the past. God see what others ignore. God saw in Abraham a nation. I saw in Jacob, even though he was a deceiver, God saw in him a Messiah. Moses was a murderer. God saw in him a great leader. If you want to know who you are, you must look at the creator. God created us by speaking to himself. God breathed some of himself in all of us. Our history is full of men who rose from impoverished environments to the highest grounds of purpose and potentiality. Booker T. Washington, born 1864, a slave in Hale Ford, Virginia, whose potential once released led him to become an organizer and president of Tuskegee Institute, one of the nation's leading universities. W.E. Du Bois, the first black man to be the recipient of a doctoral degree from Harvard, 1895. Carter G. Wilson, the Saxon black man uh, to earn a PhD from Harvard in history. Benjamin Bannerman was said to be uh, prohibited from academics, could not have academic achievement because he was a Negro. Once his potential was released, he became proficient in the science that he helped to design what is now Washington, D.C. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, raised, rose from humble beginnings, humble beginnings and meager means of survival. We must recreate that greatness. We must be willing to share, not just in our children, but in our church, and the leadership of those who are morally sound. We must be willing to share that we're not where we should be. But I'm willing, if you'll help me, to go where we need to go, to be what we need to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My potentials and the potential of every believer in every church is in God. The children of Joseph was told, don't worry about the Pezzotites or the giants. Just get up and get to the wood country. Cut down the great trees of the land. Verse 18 says, the mountains shall be thine. Move into your potential. Too many folks want greatness, but they have done nothing to gain it. 
Men want to be muncho, but they live like couch potatoes. They want power, but they're not willing to pay the price and to show up and to suit up and to be faithful and moral and principally sound. Some want to run the church, but they don't want to get up and stand up and speak up or pay up. They think their wife or their children can give it to them for them. They think because my wife is faithful, I get credit for that. Some preachers want big churches, but they made no preparation to pass and lead God's people. If you want to drive a Rolls Royce, you better get prepared for Rolls Royce repairs. We must rid ourselves of the stagnant situations and realize that God has put in us potential. God is saying to us, we are not what we could be. We have potential and possibilities. Our thoughts and ideas and resources are yet untapped. What if? What if Shakespeare had died before he wrote his poems or plays? We'd never be able to benefit and quote the great sayings of Macbeth. Those plays, those poems would have been buried in the graveyard. What if Michelangelo before had died before painting the ceiling? We never had the benefit of his art. Never reached his potential. What if Moses had to turn back before he saw the burning bush? Or Martin Luther before he sacked the 16th thesis of Reformation? What if Charles Wesley, who penned many of the hymns of our church, uh, had died before he unleashed all of that that was in him? A Rembrandt, a Mozart, with all of that music and painting in their minds and bosom. What if John Wycliffe had a quit, had not reached and pushed, had a quit before he translated? the Bible into the English language. What if Abraham had died before Isaac was born? How do we reach our potential? The text teaches us we must get up and cut down the giant oaks of self-imposed nothingness just because people say you won't be nothing. What if you had to listen to your third grade teacher who told you you weren't going to never amount to nothing? What if you had heard all of those uh, that criticized you and condemned you because you lived on the wrong side of the railroad track? What if you had not pushed and reached the potential that was in you? All of us don't have the same potentials, but you're not where you ought to be. There's still work to be done. There's still measures to take. There's still prayers to be prayed. There's still songs to be sung. There's still work to be before we reach our potential. Can you imagine how many ideas, works of art, music, 
How many solutions to problems in our church are buried in the graveyard? Because somebody wouldn't speak up. Somebody wouldn't stand up. Someone who God told to be a blessing wanted to be a burden. He blessed you to bless others. You did know that, right? He wanted to see what your potentials are. So when it is that he's blessing you and stuff is coming to you and God is good to you and your house is paid for, your bills are caught up, you're driving what you want to drive, you got some money in the bank, he want to see if he can get it to you, yeah. if he can get it through you, so he can get some more to you. He wants you to reach your potentials, to be able to share a word uh, how it is more blessed to give than it is to re- Yeah, yeah. Y'all help me. Let me go ahead and close my little Easter speech. Because we need to understand that all of us have potentials. Potentials to do more. Potentials to be more. Potentials to use our creativity. There's an idea in you that's born but yet unexecuted. There's a business in you that we need right now to be able to help navigate these pandemic times. We need it. We need need you to step up, suit up and speak up and reach your greatest potential. There's somebody sitting right now praying to God for some help and you're the help that they need. The idea that you have is just the thing that's missing that will make the difference. Phase what, 10? Need somebody to lift up their arms of the pastor. Because you have the potential, you have the information, you have the education, you have the experience, you have the exposure. We have to use people who have already been where we're going. I said, so building the church, and there's so much potential in our church. There are folks in real estate, there are folks that have built and, and know what to do. So when they call me and tell me about something, I believe what they're saying. I trust the contractor, but I believe what God brings to me. I believe that in the ultimate end, it's going to be the collaboration of everybody reaching their full potential, whatever it is that you know how to do. Let's do it. You see, I I learned a long time ago, uh, you might as well admit that you don't know everything. Because folks will find out sooner or later. (laughs) Amen. And I don't know it. So when I need finance, folks who can balance checkbooks, I ask somebody who know how to do it. I can do mines. I don't balance no checks. But I don't know how much I got in the bank. (laughs) Amen. I have to look at it and check it out. But I got the potentials to do it. If I had to do it, I could do it. But then God has already gifted and blessed somebody else to be able to do it. How do you reach your potential? You get up. And you cut down whatever's in your way. And you say, not my will. But thine will be done. And nobody has to say what if. All they have to say is, yes, Lord. Listen, Jesus 
knew what his potentials was. Uh, he knew what life was all about. Worried about what folks were saying. Uh, he was worried about what God was saying. And when you hear God, Christ makes the difference. He understood. He understood that he came from heaven to earth to show us how to go from earth to heaven. He knew what his potential was. So when uh, they were talking about him and saying he. A uh, pastor can tell you, and any pastor can tell you, that whenever you do something, you attempt to do something, whenever you teach to push folks to their potential, unsolicited criticism is going to show up. Yeah, yeah. Unconstructed chit-chat is going to try to draw your attention. Uh, but you got to know that in them and in him, that's greater is he in us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Jesus knew his potentials because he knew his purpose. And he knew that they were talking about him. They said he was an illegitimate child. They said that he was a wine bibber because he turned water into wine. Uh, they said uh, that all kinds of manner of evil against him, then accused him falsely, unjustly tried him, lied on him, placed a crown of thorns on his head, pressed him down until blood came out. Uh, they robbed him of his clothes, gambled for his vesture, put a purple robe on him, led him up Golgotha, down the Villa de la Risa, to a place shaped like a skull, hung him up for our hang-ups, and he who knew no sin became sin for us all, yes. like a sheep dumb he opened not his mouth. He died, but he refused to stay dead. Really? Sunday morning, before quick got ready, before the sun and moon swapped places in the hemisphere, uh, he died. But in order to get even with his enemies, he wanted them to see what his potentials was. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto myself. He died. But he told them, I've got potentials. If you tear down this building, in three days I'll raise it up again. He died. He gave up the ghost. But early, early, Sunday morning, before quick got ready, before the sun and moon swapped places in the hemisphere, before the dew dried on the grass, he died. But he rose with all power, on heaven and earth, in his hand, they underestimated, they underestimated his potential. And let me tell you, allow me the benefit of my sanctified imagination. He showed up Monday morning at the probate court of Jerusalem and said, you, I've come to fulfill my potentials. And he probated his own will. And that's how we got the New Testament. It could only come in effect, Judge, until he died. Yes. 